Hello and welcome to episode four of Hopscotch. I am rejoined by Dominic. Hello everyone, it's nice to be back with you all. Got all your bags? Certainly do. Uh, one checked and one carry-on. And what a carry-on. As we have done before, Rob, how about you tell us where we are and what we are off to sample today? For this episode, my dear boy, we are in Austin, Texas. Excellent. Uh, always actually wanted to come here because, well, funnily enough, the Circuit of the Americas is here. I know, and uh, maybe we'll get to that later on. But I want to know, what's happened to the little Austin 7? <laughs> you kidding me? I wasn't going to ship that over. And besides, look, if I was going to be in Austin, in an Austin, I'd need to be with an Austin. Well, it would have been ostentatious for me to have changed my name just for this episode. Uh-huh, and for that pun, I'd have made you read Jane Austen. Well, kind of falls apart there, doesn't it, because it's a different spelling. Uh, nothing eludes you in this carefully crafted script. I tasted it earlier, and it was just like Mother used to make. But um, talk to me about this new vehicle, then. What's the new wheels? And more importantly, how do we get in it? <laughs> All right. This thing here is a 1975 Airstream Argosy 26-foot purchased it purposefully for our touring of North America. Isn't this magnificent? So this is our wagon then for conquering the States in a real Airstream. Yep. As much as the podcast is real, this is our real Airstream. <laughs> I love it. But just the one side door then? Yeah, just the one. Well, can I sit in the driver's seat, please? You know, just to try it. <laughs> Please. Oh, oh, go on then. I, I know to you it screams aircraft cockpit, so go on, have a go. Oh, so much aircraft cockpit. <laughs> Once you've got yourself settled and you got your bags in, uh, you will be riding shotgun. Um, shotgun? Uh, Alright, so it used to mean the guard that would sit beside the stagecoach driver, they would be armed with usually a shotgun. These days, it just means the front passenger. You can relax, man. Well, I mean, we are in the south, but that's a good relief there. What's, what's the itinerary, then? All right, so uh, we've got our two main points of call for this episode. The hop portion, uh, when we get there, is in China, Texas. Uh, there's the... oh Yeah, let's uh, try and work out how we can pronounce this. The Spotsil Brewery. Um, they have an IPA called Wicked Ram that I thought would be interesting to try. Okay. And then for the Scotch segment, we'll be coming back up to Austin to try the still Austin Whiskey Company's Scotch called Daydreamer. Right, let's get going. Come on, let's get going. Does this thing got? Has this thing got GPS and live traffic updates at all? Um, nope. Uh, that's all on you, buddy. Oh boy, this is going to be a long day. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to edit it down. All right, ready to go to China, Texas? It's bright out. I'm wearing sunglasses. I have half a packet of crisps. Hit it. You are never going to get that quote right, are you? Good God, not with your writing. <laughs> I've got to say, Rob, Texas is like a very dry, large version of Norfolk. Hmm? What? Well, it's so wide open and dry. I love it here. Well, 
you like Norfolk too, so it's natural. Much further to go. Uh, not far. We're just turning off uh, Alt Route 90 onto State Route 95. We almost got caught out by the Alt part earlier and ended up in Flatonia. Yeah, that wouldn't have been too bad, actually, because um, we could have still taken State Route 95 from Flatonia to get to the Spoltz Brewery in China. It isn't far from the centre of town. I like this place, but you can see that it isn't as vibrant a community as it used to be. Yeah, which is a pity. I agree. I love this Western ethic and, and the building design as well. Yeah, the, the Spoltz Brewery really doesn't fit that quite so much as it may have used to have done. But it has been a long time and is very much part of the community. It is the oldest independent brewer in Texas. China came into being in 1887 when Henry B. China donated 250 acres for a depot and right-of-way for the San Antonio and Aransas Pass Railway. It's got a population of just over 2,000 people. And they like seeing visitors in town. Cool. And the brewery itself? Well, that dates back to 1909. Um, they struck water when drilling... I guess for oil and that they turned into gold by making it into beer huh that's a good use the brewery really took off when Cosmo Spotzel arrived from Bavaria apparently by way of Egypt and became the resident brewmaster and was for around about 50 years and recently the China brewery celebrated its centennial in 2009 so they must be doing something right the sixth and current brewmaster uh, since 2005, I believe, is Jimmy Morick. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but he started at the brewery age just 17 and is often to be seen around the place. I, yeah, from uh, his photograph on the website, I'm not sure whether his moustache or his smile is the more distinctive. Either way, he looks like a good guy to have brew your beer. <laughs> and he hasn't had to serve hard time for brewing. Huh? Well, Cosmos Spurzel served two years for brewing during during Prohibition. <laughs> Is that a fact? Apparently so. Despite their commitment, it seems a slow rise to national acclaim. It wasn't until sort of the 1970s the reputation of China's beers spread. Initially to Austin, with uh, places like Armadillo serving it for just 30 cents a glass. But um, not everything has improved. Well, these days, China's available across the country. I don't know if it's available worldwide, but, you know, it probably has been carried beyond these shores. But if you are interested to learn more about China, their website displays their sense of humour and is well worth a visit. Are you going to link it in the show notes, Rob? Of course I will. And I'll put a link um, to the Amazon page where you can pick up a copy of the book, Book About China, Celebrating 100 Years, 1909 to 2009. Does all that talk now bring us on to the beer? It does. China has generally come to be more about lager beers, which is understandable given the cultural history of the town being predominantly Czech and German immigrants. You're not normally a lager man, Rob. You know, yeah, you're right, I'm not. There's something about lager beers that just sits wrong with me, so I've taken to avoiding them. That said, something of theirs did catch my eye, and that's the Wicked Ram IPA. An IPA in, in Texas? I thought there was the two camps, east and west coast, with the east being closer to the original IPA and the west being the higher hopped variant that you prefer. True. Um, the aggressive hopping is right in my wheelhouse. Well, let's go take the tour then. 
Uh, let, yeah, let me just note at this point that the brewery tours are only available on weekdays. Um, from September to May, you can take one at 11 a.m. or 1.30 p.m. And June through August, they add the 10 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. tours to their calendar. Well, I just want to also add that it says here, if you, and I quote, stop in for a tour and the first round is on us. And the second. Oh, cool. Well, I'm the one driving, so um, you can enjoy while we're here, and uh, we'll get some for later on. We'll report back in short. Well, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that. It really is fascinating how much variety and complexity there is in apparently some simple recipes. You're right, and that's what makes this such fun. There's a, there is the depth, and as you say, the complexity. And a, a beer can fall flat or rise with, with the same ingredients. But if you get the timings or the temperatures wrong, the results can be a disaster. Well, you're absolutely right. That is the skill of a master brewer, to keep that all in line. I guess at some point we should review the processes. That's a good idea. I'm going to see if we can reach out to an expert in the field to discuss some of the processes in a future episode. Well, we've got a few to enjoy, but you know, how far are we driving tonight? Tonight, not far. Sean has actually got an RV park, and so I thought it would be convenient for us to stop for a night. Sounds perfect to me, then. I'll stop the recording, and, and we can pick it up back there, then. Now, before we get to opening these, Rob, I know that you have some thoughts about how the beer is stored, or, or at least the IPAs. Yeah, well, that's true. The predominant beers that I like are in the ale style. They do not require the level of refrigeration that lagers do. For me personally, I think they're best served at a cellar temperature prior to serving. Refrigerating for, for longer is, you know, for storage is okay, but let it warm up to a cellar temperature. Yeah, I, I don't like IPAs particularly served too cold. And when you say cellar temperature, what range do you mean by that? All right, so for the ales I like, uh, you'd be looking in the 50 to 55 degree Fahrenheit or 10 to 13 degrees centigrade temperature range. The darker heavies like it a little warmer than that, and the, the paler beers a little colder. Okay, so the chill restricts the development of the flavors on the palate then? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you, you mute the nuances of the hops and... Okay, so in your professional opinion, how do you recommend we enjoy Shiner's Wicked Ram IPA? As fresh as you can. And I would say that this, yeah, as a cellar temperature, this one probably benefits about 50 degrees Fahrenheit would be would be my go-to range on this. Okay. Psst. And um, it's a twist-off cap, which is easy. The, the website has some information on why they use a twist-off cap. Oh, really? Why is that? To get to the beer inside. Really? They're as bad as you are, or vice versa. Mm, probably. Anyway, I am going to pour this into my favoured tulip-shaped glass. Now, does that tulip-shaped glass add to the flavour? Nope. It's just easier to hold. I see. <laughs> so, I'm going to pour it tilted to avoid the, the large head that can form if you pour it too fast, and... There you go. You can read a lot about some head retention. You can do. Mostly I wanted to produce some head. 
you want to, to pull the beer so it does generate some head, and that helps the, the CO2 to escape the beer, leaving all of it in there. So if you pour it so in such a way as you get no head, you're keeping all the gas trapped inside the beer, and you can feel bloated and gassy afterwards. Oh, okay, okay. So the nose then... It's sweet, sort of caramelly, but citrusy too. See, it's fresh and it's not too cold. It's also a nice amber colour. Seems a little hazy, but not too bad. Kind of like a long summer sunset. <laughs> well, listen to you. Hey, it's about time I got the hang of something. <laughs> hmm, that's right. Hmm. So... In the, in the mouth, there is that malt backbone, and that's where you were getting those caramel smells from. Also, for me, the carbonation helps lift the flavor of the hops, and mm, they're there. Um, yeah. You're right. I, I get that, too. Yeah. What are they using for this? They used... And, uh, uh, where's my... Let's, here we go. So there's a Bravo... Crystal and Centennial hops. I may be corrected, but I think they're all dry hopped in this. Well, at 6%, I could do with another one or three of these. <laughs> yeah, mid-range on the bitterness, so the, the hop madness is not there, but yeah, I could have a few more of these. Well, as IPAs, I could almost session these. A bit heavy at 6% for a real session beer. Well, bought a six-pack, so we have another couple each for tonight. Well, I'm in for that. All right, uh, I think we should probably fade this out and before we forget to stop that we're recording. <laughs> we do not need more hours of wasted tape. Yeah, not again. The Hopscotch Podcast is sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Burt you heard about Burt's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Burt's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Burt's Better Beers. Also follow Burt on Twitter at twitter.com slash Burt's Better Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, Sunday, 11 to 3. Burt's Better Beers, stimulating the economy, one beer at a time.
Good morning, Dominic. Oh, why are you always up so early? you got five minutes while this steeps. Come on, show a leg. No, it's still too soon, Rob. Oh, mate, drink up. We've got a busy day ahead of us. Ooh, that's good. A mad number one. Not mad at all now, Captain, because this is delicious. No, no, no. A mad English number one. It's tea. Oh, loose leaf. Of course. No, of course. All right, mate, eat this and we'll be off. What? A bacon buddy with HP sauce? Is it my birthday? No, but you really will think it's your birthday. Come on, eat up. We need to get going. Where to? <laughs> We're off to Austin and the Circuit of the Americas. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Um, we don't have all day there, but uh, I thought we might go out on track. But how? Not, not in this Argosy, surely? <laughs> no, um, not in the Argosy, although that could be fun. But um, quickly now, we don't want to be late. Oh, um, did you bring your driving license like I said you should? Of course. Good. Um, today you're going to need it. The, um, the Circuit of the Americas has an open-wheel driving experience. Seriously? Yep. Um, they're using MyGale F4 cars with the um, six-speed sequential boxes, so you get a mini F1 experience. Oh, my God. Fantastic. How much does it cost? Uh, it's $650 per person. But if you're an F1 fan or other open-wheel racing fan, I think that's pretty good value. That's a bargain for me. I'm going to read up on this before we get there. Sure. Um, here's the notes. I almost hope it rains today. <laughs> Why do you want it to rain today? Don't you want to do this? Uh, no. They do it rain or shine, but can you imagine going down the main straight with full wets on? What a rooster tail that's going to produce. Oh, there you go. So, Rob, the taste of the race program lasts an hour and a half, then, during which time they get you experience with full race simulators and then out onto the track to wreck the course. And then, of course, you've got to suit up. You've got to suit up. <laughs> and then they have the lap of 2.3-mile national circuit. And finally, three intense laps around the full 3.4-mile Grand Prix circuit. That's right in your cockpit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that was epic. I want to do so much more of that. Yeah, you could do. There are racing leagues for this. <laughs> I can't afford to on what you pay me. I can't afford what I pay you. 
It's, it's not even peanuts. Nope, it's your Walker Salt and Vinegar Crisps. Ah, lovely. Thanks very much. Yeah, just don't eat them now. Um, we do need to head off to lunch, though. Oh, where are we going for lunch? Well, I'll uh, I'll tell you after you read this note. Oh, this consumer note here. Mm-hmm. Okay. To find out more information on the Open Wheel experience, go to www.circuitoftheamericas.com slash formula dash Americas. Or you can email drive at thecircuit.com or you can call at 512-655-6355. Cool. Spoken like a true professional. Um, right then. That's lunch, everyone. Thank you. It's just the two of us now, Rob. I know. I just didn't want all of them to know that we're off to Stubbs Barbecue. And you rejoin us on Red River Street in Austin. Out front of Stubbs Barbecue. Why this place, Rob? A couple of reasons. One is to make up for my previous ignorance. Um, I'd seen bottles of Stubbs barbecue sauce on shelves in the local grocery store, and I just assumed that, you know, it was just another brand. I had no idea that there was a real history to this place. And uh, how did I find that out, I hear you about to ask? Um... Well, I was looking at Stevie Ray Vaughan videos... And there was one of a bootleg recording of a performance that he gave here. Um, He was about 22 at the time of the recording, so just before he became this mega superstar. And it's um, pre-Double Trouble, they would call themselves at the time Triple Trouble. I mean, that's all well and good, but right now all I can hear is my empty stomach. All right, fine. Let's go in. So, um, while Dominic takes a quick scan of the menu... It's worth knowing a little more about the guy that founded this restaurant. Um, Stubb was born as Christopher B. Stubblefield in Navasota, Texas, and was one of nine sons to the family. Um, In the 30s, the family moved from Navasota to Lubbock, where they were there to pick cotton, and it was during this time that Stubb learned to cook in local restaurants and hotels. He left Lubbock to serve in the Korean War as a staff sergeant in the 96th Field Artillery, which was the last all-black army infantry. During that time, he perfected his culinary skills for cooking for a lot of people because he was there overseeing the preparation of meals for up to 10,000 soldiers at a time, which I understand is quite a lot, but certainly if you're going to be in the restaurant trade, it's a heck of a good start. So after he returned, he opened his first restaurant in Lubbock in 68, where he had a barbecue pit and a jukebox filled with his love of vintage blues music. And then during the 70s, the restaurant became part of the explosion in blues music in Austin, where along with people like Steve Ray Vaughan, there was Joe Ely, and then some of the the names that you just revered, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Robert Cray, Clarence Gatemouth Brown, and uh, Steve Ray Vaughan's brother, Jimmy Lee Vaughan, played with the fabulous Thunderbirds. And even people like um, Linda Ronstadt um, made an appearance here, and George Thorogood too. I'd like to think that if either of us had been at the right age at that time, it would have been regulars here. 
Yeah, wouldn't that have been nice? Man. Seeing what, all a these... setup. what a list. Yeah, I mean, seeing all these people as they are coming into their full force, uh, just listening to the, the bootleg of Stevie Ray Vaughan from here, it's got that rich sound. It's uh, You can just hear the, the mastery of his music and his instrument and see that he's still growing and loves everything he's doing, which I think was true all throughout his career, which was so tragically cut short. But seeing people like John Lee Hooker, man, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence oh, Gatemouth yeah. Bound, Muddy Waters, blues legends, man. And in a, in a small venue like this, where it'd be that much more intimate than in an arena where, you know, we can all get to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How amazing. So, yeah, it makes me feel like maybe I should pay more attention to the stuff that's on around me and go and see some other bands. But, you know, you pay your money, you take your choice. Uh, talking of paying your money and taking your choice, have you had a little look at the menu? Well, I have. The problem that I always have whenever I look at a menu like this is it's the agony of choice. There is so much on the menu and only so much that I could eat. <laughs> Yes, you either need to be twice your size before your start or reconcile yourself to being twice the size by the time you're done. I think I could easily reconcile being twice the size. <laughs> All in a good cause. <laughs> right, sure. One of the things I noticed when I was reviewing the menu is that they have appetizers and they have your main course and damned if they're going to bother with desserts because if you need a dessert after this, you have not done it right. Well, that's the one thing that I noticed, and I thought to myself, well, if you're going to if you're going to have a, a a proper barbecue joint, why would you bother with dessert at all? Why would you bother with, you know, your standard cheesecake for pudding? Oh no, no. you can't barbecue a black forest gâteau. Oh no, that would not be cricket at all. <laughs> the only crickets you're going to hear around here are the ones that didn't get that reference. <laughs> That's the sign you're in the south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amongst others. So I'm going to suggest that as good as the appetizers sound like, I love stuffed jalapenos um, and tater skins, loaded tater skins, so good. Buffalo wings, mm, yeah, um, slathered in their barbecue sauce, sure. But I think we should just be here for the barbecue. We'll maybe plan another trip some other time, maybe just around this, but they've got a choice of seven meats to go for. There is um, an Angus beef brisket. Well, you can also have chicken, and in my best MasterChef voice, that's chicken, juicy, smoked, and served on the bone. <laughs> There's pork spare ribs that are fall off the bone delicious. Or you can have sausage. There's a house recipe or a jalapeno cheddar. There is turkey breast that is boneless, sliced, and moist. You can have chopped beef with a robust Texas flavor. And finally, pulled pork, smoked bone-in, and served shredded. Now, if you were a hipster in Shoreditch, you'd be ordering the pulled pork. But this is like no pulled pork you'll get in Shoreditch in London. <laughs> no, nor most other places around the world. I, I'm going to have to go with the... Well, you can get combinations of this stuff. So there's there's um, an all-you-can-eat family-style barbecue, which is 24 bucks per person. 
where you get a choice of three meats and they just keep it coming until everyone is stuffed. But I can't do that, man. You could do a Stubbs Major where you get any three meats and two sides, or the Stubbs Minor where you get two meats and two sides, or you can just do the barbecue plate where you get one meat and two sides and you look at everybody else with signs of envy. Me, I'm, I'm going to do a Stubbs Minor. I'm gonna, I have to go with the beef brisket and the pulled pork because... It's so worth it here. Huh, they do salads too. How quaint. A Stubbs Minor, you're an absolute lightweight. It's got to be the full Stubbs Major. For me, the three meats are probably going to have to be that pulled pork that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I'm thinking also the house recipe sausage, but I'm also looking at that chicken, juicy, smoked and served on the bone. It just sounds to die for. I mean, the salad's... The salads are interesting. There's something that I've not come across before, which is collard greens. Would you like to talk to us about collard greens there, Rob? A little bit. Uh, I believe they are basically a brassica. Okay. So it, it's kind of like a, a, a cabbage leaf, as opposed to just pulling leaves off the collard or chopping it up for coleslaw. It's generally, um, as I understand, sort of sweated down and served that way. Okay. I've... I've not had it before, so that was definitely something I wanted to try while I was here. And then, while I haven't had fried okra either, the mashed potatoes with cream gravy was kind of calling my name as, um, hey, this is going to kick you over the edge in about a four-hour nap. Well, whilst that sends you into a food coma, I'm just looking at the sides and thinking mac and cheese. Now... This is something that I've come across everywhere in America that I've been. They have mac and cheese as a side. In the UK, that's considered a main. That's an actual main meal right there. Some places you will find it as a main meal. There is actually um, a, a restaurant in Manchester, New Hampshire, called Mr. Max. I don't. I think it's part of a chain, but I'm not too sure. And they are just all varieties of mac and cheese. Um, okay. Other places I've been to. One restaurant will serve mac and cheese as your main, but generally it's more predominant on the kids' menu, and you can just get it as a side on the adult menu, because, you know, who needs to be an adult all the time? Well, absolutely. Um, it always reminds me of my childhood. I would always have mac and cheese at a school dinner at my primary school, and that was the, that was the first time I ever had it, and uh, that was the best mac and cheese I've ever had since. But the bit that really interests me about this menu is when you look at the all-you-can-eat, the last line of the all-you-can-eat. So it lists, you can have three meats, you've got generous bowls of potato salad, coleslaw, pinto beans, all of the stuff that it comes with, but the last line, no to-go boxes, please. Yeah, so you can't keep ordering, then suddenly have full plates and go, yeah, can we just wrap this up to go? That's so... not how it works. That's not cricket at all. <laughs> no. No, nor is it rugby or football or soccer or any of those other sports. It's simply not the done thing. What? So, yeah, from your, from your other combo plates, like uh, your major and my minor, yeah, well, what you don't eat, you can wrap up to go. But, yeah, don't do the all-you-can-eat and then be an ass by asking for the rest of it to go. No. You will get thrown out and never invited back again. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we know what we want from there. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so, so let's order this and uh, I, I think we should probably stop the recording here so that nobody else is subject to the any of the noises that you look like you are about to make so many meats 
It's like watching one of those large dogs with the jowls where it's just drooling already. You need to get you a lobster bib. Yeah, I'm, I've got a bib coming. <laughs> I've got I've got a bib and a mop. <laughs> All right, before we have to clean this place up for them, let's get this order in, and uh, we will rejoin you fine people a little later on. Traveled about ten minutes from Stubbs to the south bank of the Colorado River, Auditorium Shores Park to be exact, because here stands a statue to Stevie Ray Vaughan. We really could not come to Austin and not pay a visit. While Stevie was born in Dallas, Austin was much more his spiritual and musical home. And of course, whilst the statue is at least twice my height, it definitely falls short of the statue that the man himself was. Of course, not that I ever got to meet him. I think we can agree it represents an image of him, in the same way that his versions of Little Wing and Voodoo Child were not meant to duplicate Hendrix, but be an expression of love towards him. Absolutely, I have to agree with you absolutely there. Little Wing, for example, is an instrumental piece gains because it underpins the prowess of both. And not that he didn't take influence from others, but he built upon that in his own compositions, and you can see and hear and feel the honorifics that he's paying back. Something tells me we're just not going to do him justice, are we? Not even close. I mean, I think we'd need an hour-long show and request the rights to use all sorts of samples of his music, so <clears throat> not going to do that. Well, just as a suggestion, should we put links in the show notes to follow later on? I can do that. Yeah, let's. Um, we can put some links into the official website, um, Spotify, and maybe also the YouTube video of the bootleg concert from Stubbs. Good man. Yeah, I think that would work out well. Yeah. We can't do justice to SRV unless you're hearing him, and at which point, if you're hearing him, you're not listening to us. So, uh, after the episode... Uh, after the episode, go explore those links. After the episode. After. Not before. After. The Still Austin Whiskey Company is a mere ten minutes away, fifteen with traffic. 20, and there wasn't much traffic. Uh, okay. Listen, Dominic. You try driving this thing around roads that you don't know either. <laughs> nope. You were the one that bought the 26-foot model. Did you want to share the bed at the back? Not particularly. Well, then. It was only a few extra minutes. I mean, I was only just saying. All right, then. Listen. Ten minutes... From Steve Rayvorn's statue, 20, if you don't know your way around. That's better. Thank you. Is the Still Austin Whiskey Company, located at 440 East St. Elmo Road in Austin. Not East Street Elmo Road, as I first thought. You'll also find on East St. Elmo Road, the Austin Winery, 
and the St. Elmo Brewing Company. So we could have just parked the bus and done the whole episode from this location, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> exactly. Still Austin was co-founded by three Austin families and backed by a group of friends and other supporters. And it's still locally owned and operated in Austin. They opened their doors on the 23rd of September, 2017. Now, the location is open Thursday and Friday from 1pm and Saturday and Sunday from noon. Tours are available, but we do recommend consulting the website for times and possibly even calling ahead. Well, calling ahead, I think, is always going to be recommended. On the tour, one of the things that they will show off is their 42-foot bourbon still that was custom made in Scotland by Foresight's Limited. It's a Kofi still, and we will let them explain exactly what it is and how it works to you. Was that supposed to be an attempt at a Scottish accent? Better than you could do. Granted. <laughs> but uh, what attracted your attention to visit here, though, Rob? I'd been curious about such a new distillery being in business. I mean, most of the scotches you're going to buy, or whiskies, are going to talk about the aging time, and they're going to have spent some time in a barrel. How can a place that's only been open since September of 2017 be producing and selling whiskey? Well, that's a good point. And, of course, the expectation of whiskey is that it will have been barrel-aged for a good 10 years, give or take. So, from reading on what they say, they are barrel-aging some bourbon. However, these days, you also need to turn a revenue in a hurry. How can you accomplish that? I mean... You can't exactly hurry the aging process. I looked in the mirror. I felt that you could. So the other alternative is they just skip it all together. Do what now? All right. They have a line that they call new make. And what that means in whiskey terms is it's whiskey taken straight from the still. So it isn't barrel aged. Not aged. Well, <laughs> that's going to upset the whiskey purists. Probably. Purists tend to find something to get upset about, including us, I imagine. Who wouldn't? But what imparts the flavour, then? They have three approaches so far. The first is simply new make that is designed to express the terroir of the grains. Good pronunciation. Thank you. Um, so, to explorers, about as an honest, a clean Texas whiskey, you can get them. Exactly. So, if you're feeling more adventurous... They do have Mother Pepper Whiskey, and that's flavoured with Chile Pequois, Smoked Serrano, and Agi Amarillo, and all those were easier to type than they were to say. <laughs> it sounds aggressive, <laughs> both the ingredients and you saying it. <laughs> I agree. And I found that for my palate, the beverages that are using that sort of a heat from a, from a hot pepper just not working for me i may be adding to a recipe to really bring the flavors forth in like a really good chili but i don't know that i'd want to add this to a chili well i'm not sure that i would either but what was it here that did take you fancy then well i did see that they have one that they call daydreamer and that's flavored with valencia tangelo and bergamot citrus flavors well what do you expect from that and i'm gonna say something very often that while the Scotch whiskey that you and I both enjoy 
conjures old leather armchairs beside a roaring fire as the rain lashes against the window. There should be more evocative of warm summer evenings with friends. A dip in the pool, some barbecue. I like the sound of that. There's the balance of the warmth of the alcohol and the lightness of the citrus. It doesn't cling to the palate as much as an orange liqueur, though. No, it doesn't. Those are much more syrupy. This is very pleasant. It doesn't suffer from either side overwhelming the other. So, for part of our consumer advice here, where might we obtain this? So far, distribution is limited around Austin and parts of Texas. Ah, okay. So, um, definitely have to plan a trip then. Certainly. There's much to do in Austin, so meanwhile I'm going to finish my little taster. You're welcome to have more. I am no one striving. Well, you've got the hard work. I'm going to have another one. (laughs) (laughs) There is something, quite something, and not what I had expected a whiskey could be like. But um, do we have more time in Austin? We still have some time, Dominic, uh, but we are running out of tape. Well, I, um, I reckon before we lose all of our listeners, we should wrap this up. Yeah, let's do that. Can we still go on sound tones? I think so. Uh, Jabbo and the old dogs are playing. Oh, fantastic. I think I think we're going to let everyone else go then. Yes, I, I think we should. So, um, thank you so much for being with us on Hopscotch Episode 4. Coming to you from Austin, Texas. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and the others in the series. You can find out more information at these locations. Hopscotchpodcast.com or on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash hopscotch podcast or via your favorite podcast app as hopscotch podcast look for the gray logo and the twitter account and that twitter account is at hopscotch podcast that (laughs) podcast has an a lopped out of it thanks to the character limit on twitter thank you twitter (laughs) and with that thank you all very much for listening a very good night good night Some of the sound effects used in the production of this podcast have been obtained from Free SFX. They are available at http colon slash slash www.freesfx.co.uk.